Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I was going to minister uh, on this on Sunday morning, pick up where I had uh, left off a couple weeks ago uh, on, uh, on characteristics of revival, and the, the service went differently, and so I ministered differently Sunday morning. I really was going to do it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and uh, so I, I opted to not do Sunday night, instead do it tonight, and hopefully uh, uh, finish up uh, next Sunday. And so we're talking about revival Amen. Go with me over to Luke 19. Just look at a couple of foundational texts we look at, we looked at before, and then I want to go on tonight and make a couple more points. Luke 19. In says verse 41, as Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, level you to the ground, and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And here's the, here's the phrase that I wanted you to see. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. There are times of visitation. Jesus said so right here. And, and he said that they didn't know or they didn't uh, distinguish it. They weren't aware. A time of visitation was presented to them. They didn't take advantage of that. We don't need to make that mistake. Amen. And then go with me over to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Another passage that we've looked at. In verse number 19 and 20, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times, notice the plural, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all, all his holy prophets since the world began. Notice in this uh, admonition, he talks about times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord, and then he extends this all the way out until uh, the time that Jesus returns. It says, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you, whom heaven has received until the time of restoration of all things. So, so this uh, instruction here reaches all the way out until the return of the Lord. And so what he's saying is that times of refreshing, there will be times of refreshing. You remember that uh, Peter quoted Joel in uh, the second chapter of Acts. And in, in Joel chapter two, the passage reads, it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Well, when, Joel, when, when Peter, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit's the best commentator of, on his word. He's the best one to interpret and apply the word. So the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to say it like this, that in the last days, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Notice the last days, the last days, that phrase does not point to a point in time. It refers to a period of time. 
We're li- and the whole church age obviously is, the, the, is uh, in prophetically constitutes the last days because he said that it was happening on the day of Pentecost. He said, this must be the last days because this prophecy is being fulfilled. But if you go back and you read the rest of the prophecy in Acts and in uh, Joel chapter two, you'll notice that not everything was fulfilled. That entire passage was not fulfilled. There are, and, and that passage too reaches right on up until the return of the Lord because it talks about and, and, uh, that great and terrible day of the Lord coming. So again, this passage uh, talks about the last days beginning at, at the birth of the church and extending right out until the, the beginning of the tribulation period. So that's the church age, isn't that right? And said during that time, times of refreshing will come. Glory to God. Don't miss the time of refreshing. God sends us times of refreshing. That tells me that if there are times of refreshing, there are times when there's not refreshing. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be refreshed anytime, but it tells me that there are times of visitation. If there are times of visitation, then you can, you can distinguish those times from other times during the church age. You can, you can have a general sense of a visitation and experience with God anytime, but then there are, obviously there must be special times or else they couldn't be identified as such. Isn't that right? Revival, uh, like, to, like I talked about Sunday before last, revival, uh, I talked about the fact, I, I talked about the difference between revival and other moves of God, how that God has moved in his church and, and brought different things like the word of faith movement or the charismatic movement. Um, a, a move of God is not the same as revival. And good services don't constitute revival. You know, having, having really glorious services like we've had so many times, countless times over these 35 years, I mean, I can remember services where it's just, it was just so glorious. The glory of God was just so strong. And we just sat in, 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 in almost in awe of the presence of God. And those things happened and have happened many times over all, you know, during these, these years of this church. But I made the point, I recognize that there is a, a visitation of God going on now and a revival going on now that we've never experienced before. We've never had this kind of revival. And yet we've had wonderful services. I'll also point out is, is I, I used a revival that was going on in my local church uh, when I first got back into fellowship with the Lord. It was underway when I got back into fellowship with the Lord and, uh, and I uh, was privileged to be in it and to be a part of it and, and to be blessed by it. Uh, during that revival, we had wonderful services, but the wonderful services weren't, wasn't the revival. And, and we had some not so wonderful services. You know, any church, anytime a congregation, there's a congregation and you meet regularly, there are gonna be times when some services just aren't as good as others. You know, there, there are times when uh, even then, and, and, and I'm looking back and thinking about that time that was so important in my life and made such an impression on me and, and such a, a, a precious memory of, of those days. There were times when I came to church and I, I thought, oh, boy, this was a sleeper tonight. 
Now, don't tell me you haven't thought that because I have. There have been times that at, at the end of a service, I go back into my study in, in my office and I think, and I'm, I'm talking about me. I'm not even talking about you. I think about you too sometimes. But about myself, I think, boy, there wasn't any. If, if, if that was all the power there was and, and, it was and it was compressed into a burst of air, it wouldn't even blow a candle out. Uh, now during that time, people will tell me, oh, you know, I got blessed and I received, you know, cause God always honors his word and he always honors faith. But my point is we can have, uh, wonderful services where the presence of God is, is, uh, evident and strong and, and we're just really aware of it. We have other times where we're, we're not all clicking on every cylinder and, uh, the services don't turn out that good. That doesn't stop revival. A revival is here and you need to get in on it and and don't be so concerned about uh, uh, what happens in any particular service. The revival doesn't wane as long as people are personally revived. Now, while I'm saying that, let me say this about this past Sunday morning. This past Sunday morning, the, the praise and worship was so weak here during the regular praise and worship. It was so weak. Can I get a witness music department? Am I lying or am I telling the absolute truth? It was so weak. Uh, there, there, was, there was all, you know, sometimes you come to church and you just don't feel like entering in. You just, you know, your heart's just not in it. And uh, spirituality is not measured by decibels. But when I'm standing here and I can't hear anybody behind me, tonight, and, and tonight I would say there's probably... Uh, a little more than half as many people in this auditorium as there was Sunday morning. And I'm telling you tonight, praise and worship in my ear. And I can distinguish that from this, you know. But the worship and praise coming from behind me in these brief 15 minutes or 10 minutes away was probably at least twice as loud, maybe three times as loud as it was Sunday morning. Uh... We need to, when a person's in revival, he's going to put his whole heart into it. And when you don't feel like worship and you don't feel like praising, you, because you are revived, you'll, you'll step up and say, bless God, I don't care how I feel and I don't really care how anybody else feels. I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. Has Bob Dunn ever considered how the rest of us were doing when he got ready to praise God. I mean, when he gets ready to praise God, he doesn't care if, if the rest of us are asleep or not. Isn't that right? Those of you who are, who are experiencing revival, uh, our services will be much better if you will take the lead. I'm talking about in the congregation. I, I expect those of you who are serious about revival, I, I expect when you come into service and you can tell, you can tell. Those of you who are in this and, and are flowing with this, step up. Square your shoulder and say, glory to God, the rest of this crowd might be asleep, but I'm gonna praise my Lord. I'm gonna worship God. And, I, and, and that will help the services. Amen. Glory to God. 
So what I'm saying is revival is something that's in the heart of people. And, and it's a visitation from God that he grants to us, but we have to respond to it. Amen. And so again, don't miss this visitation. Don't miss it. It's too important. And we're, we're still in, in the shallow water of this. We're still in the shallow water of this. There's a lot more that God wants to do among us and not just with us, but uh, throughout the world as this revival spreads. The revival we're in here is a revival. It's not the revival. I, I am absolutely convinced from the scriptures more than ever, as the more I read, that the Bible uh, clearly declares that before Jesus returns, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like this world has n- never seen before. It'll be greater than any time in the book of Acts. It'll be greater than any of the revivals that have, have occurred throughout church history. Why? Because we're in the harvest time. I mean, the Bible also tells us that in end times that... Uh, that's, that men will be worse and worse, that the devil will be more active with lying signs and wonders like never before? Well, if that's true, we know it's all true. Do you, do you not think God would not step up to the plate in such a time and demonstrate his power and his glory in order to bring a harvest in like never before? I mean, whenever the, whenever the magicians are throwing their serpents down, you, don't you think Moses, you think Moses and Aaron gonna stand on the sideline and let their serpents be swallowed up by the, de- by the devil serpents? Absolutely not. And so in these last days, God will pour out his spirit. So the revival isn't here yet, but we're in a revival. I believe what we're in and what other churches around uh, the nation that I'm aware of and, and other places in, in, in the world, these are all uh, preludes to what God wants to do. And so it's important that, that what we're in, that we feed it, that we act on it, and that we nurture it in our church. And not just in our church, pray for other churches. Amen? And so uh, with, with having said all that, I want to get back because they're just comments, you know, that I needed to make. I want to get back to what are the characteristics of revival in a person's life? Or what, what does revival look like on a person? Well, what kind of things will be in your life if you are genuinely experiencing revival yourself? And you know what all comes down to you? You and God. Isn't that right? God is visiting us, but... Like I, re- like I remember, and I know from all revivals, uh, it's, it, it seldom, if ever, encompasses everybody. Because there are always people that just sit back and they just aren't interested. And you know, so God can visit a company of people, but it's still up to individuals to be revived. Amen? So what, what kind of characteristics? We talked about the first one, a, a, a longing to know God in a deeper way, a greater intimacy with God. And then we talked about repentance and separation is the second thing. Tonight, I want to talk about number three. This is the third characteristic of someone who is in revival. Uh, It's characterized by a life wholly consecrated to the Lord. For, For the Lord to use that person 
any way he wants to. Holy con- and, and that's an act. That's something that, that's a conscious decision we make. And, and it's a conscious uh, uh, presenting of ourselves to the Lord. Lord, I, I want you to take my life completely. I'm with, I want to lay down everything in my life, put everything I am and everything I have at your disposal for you to use me in any way you like. That's that, a person uh, that's in revival, that's the, one of the desires of their hearts. I want to have all that God has for me. I want him to do everything in my life that he wants to do in my life. And and I want to be so surrendered to him, so completely given over to him that whenever he, whatever he wants to do, however he wants to manifest himself, however he wants to use me, that I'm available 24-7. Well, that doesn't, that's not automatic. That's not the average Christian life. Most Christians are not that way because it, it goes completely contrary to the flesh. Our flesh wants to dominate. Well, when, and, and if you do nothing, your flesh will dominate. If you don't make a decision, if you don't make a consecration, your flesh will dominate you and your, your natural man will want to pull back from the things of God. And our natural man wants to, wants to have its own way. The natural man wants to go after the things of this world and, and, and just pursue things that, that are of interest to the natural and have no spiritual value whatsoever. They might, not nece- they might not necessarily be wrong or sinful, but they just don't have any eternal value. The more spiritual a person becomes and the more on fire, we'll use this, you know, we've all used this phrase before. You know what it means when someone's on fire for God? You know what that means? You certainly know what it means when somebody's not on fire for God. It's readily evident when somebody's not on fire with the Lord. Isn't that right? Well, when somebody is really on fire for God, they're more interested in the things of God than they are the things of this world or the things of their own life. Amen. Uh, You know, like I said, it requires consecration no matter what. Go with me over to... Matthew 26, Matthew 26, hallelujah, in verse 39, well, I don't know why I put 39, it should be 36, Uh, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and, and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Then he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what can you not watch with me one hour? And so this happened three times where he went, to pray, and uh, he had to pray, Lord, not my will. I would prefer this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Every spiritual pilgrim has to walk this road. 
Every Christian, if you're going to go on with God, you have to walk this road. There will be times in your life where your natural inclination would be to pull back from certain things the Lord's requiring of you, but you've made the decision. I don't necessarily like this. I don't necessarily, I'd rather something else happen, but not my will, your will be done. This is where we get the phrase, you know, if it be thy will. Now in word of faith churches, we have uh, uh, talked about how uh, praying if it be thy will, that it's unscriptural, in a prayer of faith, and it is. The, the phrase, if it be thy will, has no place in the prayer of faith because you can't exercise faith for something if you don't know what's the will of God. And so people tag that prayer onto every prayer they pray, and most of the time it's out of place. And so because we focused on faith so much, uh, I think we run the risk of, of, uh, uh, of omitting the fact and not seeing the fact that that is a valid prayer. Lord, if it's your will, I, that's a consecration we have to make. That's not a bad prayer. And, and it's a prayer you will have to pray over and over, not every day necessarily, but over and over throughout your life. You will have to come back to this place where you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I sense you leading me uh, further and to do more and to take more and to grow more. You know, it's easy just to stay where you're at. It's easy to coast. But the Spirit of God is calling you upward. And, and it's hard on the flesh. It requires crucifying the flesh to move up higher with God. But the Spirit uh, uh, and, the, and the heart of the man who's in revival, he's already made the decision. I want what you have so much, so badly that even though I don't even fully understand what you're leading me into, I'm willing to lay aside everything. Amen? Now go with me over to, uh, go with me to Matthew 13. In the parable of the sower, how many of you are familiar with the parable of the sower? If you are, put your hand up. Just about everybody here. In the parable of the sower, uh, he talks about the word being sown and different uh, responses to the word and what it produced in people's lives. And he said in verse 18, therefore the, hear, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives seed on stony, stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself and endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. In uh, example number one, example number two, these people, they didn't go very far. Example number one didn't go anywhere. Example number two, this person received the word, he got excited about it, but it never produced any fruit in his life uh, because he just had it just for a little while, was excited, and, the, and as soon as he was challenged, he gave it up. And so uh, no fruit there. Then the third one says, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Now notice, and he becomes unfruitful. He becomes unfruitful. That means he had begun to bear fruit. 
He had begun, he had received the word. He received enough depth of understanding, enough revelation on the word. He applied it in his life. Persecution came, but he stood against it. He's beginning to produce seed. In other words, he's beginning to grow up spiritually. He's beginning to to produce uh, good fruit. But then it says, uh, the cares of this world, in, in, uh, illustrated by the thorns. The thorns represent the cares of this world. You know, the cares of this world are many. A lot of things vying for our attention. A lot of things vying for uh, our, our passion, for our desires. He said, the cares of this world, uh, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. I want us to look at this in Mark's uh, account of this. That's in Mark chapter four. Verse 18, it says, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, we've seen that, the deceitfulness of riches. Well, well, what is that? The deceitfulness of riches. Well, just that. Listen, you have to be very careful where money's concerned. Now, we believe in prosperity. I'm not backing off of that one iota because it's squarely uh, a Bible teaching and a Bible uh, provision that God prospers his children and that he takes delight in our prosperity. But at the same time, we can be deceived by prosperity. Money can can, uh, cloud our judgment if we don't, have the right attitude toward it. Money and prosperity we should see as tools that God uh, wants to bless us, us with so that we can not only be blessed, but even more important than that, that we can be a greater blessing to somebody else. And so money, uh, if, if, you don't, if you don't develop that discipline where money's concerned where, and, and where prosperity is concerned, where you realize and uh, make sure you underscore in your, in your heart that the purpose of prosperity is not just about me, it's about blessing somebody else and being available for, for God to use. If you don't, if you don't uh, uh, challenge yourself and discipline yourself along that line, money can trip you up. You, you ought to go back sometime and read everything Jesus said about riches. It's, it's a real eye-opener. And you ought to go back and read everything the Apostle Paul said about riches. He warned uh, the churches about not trusting in, in things and not trusting in riches and how uh, it, it wrecks havoc in a person's life and causes all kind of problems and it's a root of every kind of evil. Paul talked very strongly about the dangers associated with riches. And, and that just simply, you say, well, I, you know, I don't have many riches, so I guess I'm free. It, it's, it's a matter of the heart. Amen. And then he said, and this is the thing that always captivates my attention. It's all, the, every time I read this verse, it arrests my, I mean, I, I just, I, 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 it stops me when I read it. And desires for other things entering in choke the word. Wow, how big, how, uh, how, uh, uh, what are the great possibilities? How large are the possibilities 
of the desire for other things. People who are on fire for God have made a decision that things in life have to be held in their proper place so that God, the things of God, and drawing close. When you, when you get hungry enough for God, and, and, and hungry enough, like in point number one, you just, you just want to know him better. You just want to be closer to him. When you get hungry enough for God, you, you'll begin to see things as less valuable than you did before. And there'll be things that uh, I was talking to, to, to uh, one of the young men around here about this, you know, that some of the things that, that he and, and some of, of the guys thought was so important just a short time ago. So we don't even care for, you know, anything about those things anymore. All we want to do is just get together and pray and, and study the word and spend time with the Lord. See, when you get, when you get really on fire for God, it, it, it will draw you away from the things of this world. And the desires for other things are not necessarily bad things. They're just, they're just things that are unnecessary. And revi- God sends revival not to just thrill us, not to just so that we can have good services because like I said, we've had wonderful services. For over 35 years, we've had some outstanding services. We've had some outstanding demonstrations of the Spirit. We've had some outstanding manifestations of the Spirit. We've had some, some wonderful things. I mean, we could go through this church and there'd just be testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. Over the years, things that God has done and people, has, people have been healed, families uh, 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 set right, marriages restored, people blessed. You know, just their children, their finances, their everything about them. And we could go through this congregation and we've seen all of that. So it's not, it's not just about uh, uh, God blessing us so that we can have uh, greater services. It's so that he can move us uh, towards something that's even more valuable. He wants to do, listen, in revival, he wants to do something in us that will take us into a place where we, will, where, where we will be more like him, more in fellowship with him, more, more able to accomplish things for him than we could otherwise. He, he wants to take us into a place of prayer where as a congregation, we know how to get lay hold of things that we've not been able to lay hold of before, that we've not even understood before. There, there are things that God wants to do uh, in, in not just in our lives as individuals and not even in our church. There are things that God wants to do in this age before Jesus returns to bring about the, the salvation of multitudes of people in these last days. There are some things in the spirit realm that have to, to, have, they have to happen first. There's some things that have to be accomplished in the realm of the spirit and God wants to take us into a place of prayer where we're able to, to lay hold of those things. I tell you, there, there's a, there, there are, not, I started to say a realm, there are realms of prayer in the spirit that we haven't even touched yet. And revival, and this is one of the things, this is actually my last point uh, in, this, in this series, uh, you know, and that's prayer, that there, God wants to take us in prayer to places where he can use us 
in a way that he can't use us if we can't get into that, into that level of the Spirit. And so uh, uh, the, the desire for other things, you can see how the desire for other things will keep you out of that. Because, you know, you only have, you only have the capacity to really be passionate about just a few things. Really. I mean, there really can't be that many things that, that, are, that are on the top of your list that mean more to you than anything else. There's just not that many. You just don't have room for that many. And the devil, and, and, and that almost sounds like it's things of sin, but the enemy will use things that aren't even sinful to just to, 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 to cause you to value those things and put an emphasis on those things in your life and to devote your time to those things and your energies to those things and, and to be consumed with... And, I mean, it can be anything. It can be anything as simple as a hobby. And, and there's nothing wrong with hobbies. I'm not preaching against hobbies, but I'm saying in a time of visitation, we have to be... We have to be more desirous of what God's doing than we are, you know, whatever your, your, your uh, hobby might be. And I discovered that if I lay things aside and say, God, I want you more than anything, God has an interesting way of making those things up. Sometimes I, I come to realize, you know, this is not all that rewarding anyway. This is a dumb hobby. You know, this is, I don't even, I don't even care about this anymore. But then there are other things that the Lord then will just bless you with time sometimes and opportunities to just to, to do things that you really enjoy. But you see, you've put those things on the altar and you've walked away from those things because you said, God, I want you more. Families, families, I'm talking about family life, Fam- as parents and spouses, not just parents, I'm not talking about just uh, people with children, but just married couples, just husband and wife, don't have any kids. If you're not careful, things of the natural life can become so important to you that you sit in a church and miss out on what God's doing because you're just... You're just taken with, with other things. I, I, I tell you, I, I hope you're getting this. This is important. The desire for, where's my Bible anyway? What do I do? There it is. The desire for other things. It says entering in chokes the word. Well, where does, if it enters in, it must come from somewhere else. It, come, it, it must come from outside of you or else it couldn't enter into you. And where does it enter in? It, it chokes the word, so it has to enter in where the word is. Well, the word is sown in our hearts, isn't that right? Well, the cares of this world will try to worm their way into our heart and supplant the, the things of God and the things of the word and the things of the spirit, move, move those things out to where we're just more interested in other things. Can anybody give, anybody think of any examples? You can't think up. Amen. She said she doesn't have any examples, but she's in revival. How many can come up with, with some ideas? What are some things that, that the enemy, Bob? 
Now, now it's okay if you tell this, but I'm not asking for confessions here. I'm asking for you just to come up with things. But go ahead, Bob. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or are things in in family? Who can think of anything else? Family life or whatever? Huh? You know, my kids played sports. Uh, there's nothing wrong with sports. But at the same time, everything has to have its, it, it has to be, when anything gets, a, gets put in front of pursuing God, you say, well, I'm, I'm pursuing God. I can, I, can go all, I can do all these things all week long. You know, I can have my kids in all these activities and we're still here in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We're fine. Well, you really can't pursue natural things all week long and, and, and really get what you need on Sunday. You really can't. If there's, not, if there's not some pursuit in your everyday life, real pursuit for God, you're just gonna be a, a bystander in church. That's the truth. And, and God will bless you and, and, you know, as, as, as much as, as your faith will enable him, but you won't be able to lay hold of things like you'd like to because you haven't. The Bible says, he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows, now, that's not necessarily sowing to sin. You say it like this, he who sows to the natural will from the natural just reap natural things. And when you compare natural things to spiritual things, that's, that's corruption versus life. And you can't, you can't pursue the natural all the time and reap spiritual things because you're going to reap natural. And I'm going to tell you, there are, no, there are no answers to life's problems from the natural realm. The natural realm doesn't give solution to anything. When you, when you come up against the wall and, 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 and the enemy is trying to destroy some part of your life, you're not going to get any answers from the natural realm. The answer is going to come from the spirit realm. And if you haven't sown, well, I go to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, so I've sown. That's, that's, that's sowing very little. Because you can, you can be here in church like you were Sunday morning and just be not even present. I mean, present in body, but not even in. Entering in. So being here does, is not a big point. Some people think it's God checks, you know, checks them off. And he's not really impressed sometimes when we're here. I talked about Sunday, people come to church for the worse. So, you know, just showing up, it's no guarantee that you're really uh, accomplishing anything. But my point is, you sow to the spirit. Sow to the spirit realm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Things that, or you could say it like this: 
Let me, let me take that verse and couple it with another. Whoever knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. See, there are a lot of things that, that are natural pursuits, and because they're natural pursuits, they couldn't possibly be a faith. They're not related spiritual things. You couldn't have faith. You couldn't have faith to be, to have the, you know, the, the shiniest car on the block, you know, the, the, best, the biggest house, you know, in your neighborhood. You couldn't be in faith on that because it's pride. Isn't that right? Now, you, you, could, you could believe God for a nice house, but when you start trying to believe God that your house is nicer than everybody else's, you know, you, you couldn't be in faith. Well, that's an illustration of there, there are natural things that, that don't have any eternal value, and so they're not of faith. They're just, they're, they're, they're really sin in the sense that, that glory to God. Thank you. We needed that. I saw all of you looking up here. Well, praise the Lord. That's a good point. Anybody else have anything? Are we going? Yeah. Like to watch what? At five o'clock, millionaire. It's a game yeah. show. But haven't been watching it because I just, you know, I felt like, you know, you could spend this half an hour in prayer. Yeah. You know, let this go and spend this half an hour in prayer. Yeah. I haven't watched millionaire in probably three months. Don't miss it. Can y'all hear her? Yeah. Don't yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some people don't have a desire for prayer because they don't do much of it. Yeah. Can y'all hear her? I'm listening. Since I've been born again, things have been really changed my whole life around. I'm with God now. I used to keep God on the back burner. I finally decided to put him in the front. Yeah. Because yeah. I am a, a controlling person and I don't want to be. I see, I see things in there that are sin, full of sin. And, I'm, and I've been praying now since July 19th. I've been in like a, a God on this shoulder and, devil on this, and the devil on the other shoulder. And they're fighting each other and I'm in the middle of it. And I don't know what to do. I just let them fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he has done so much good for me. He made me see things in a different light since I've been born again. But I've always walked close with Jesus ever since I was a little child. And, but I always put him on the black back burner. You can't do that. No, you can't. No. You got to put him first in your life, always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just learned this. I'm 79 years old, and I'm just now learning what I did wrong in my life. Yeah. And God has forgiven me for this, and I'm forever thankful. Yeah. 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 And He's doing miracles in my life that they're not big things, but they're things that make me happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all I got to say. And 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 what do all of those pursuits? give you at the end of the day nothing lasting 
nothing lasting. Oh, glory to God. They're trying to remember how Bosworth said it, that prayer, the things you accomplish in prayer are sort of like gold in the bank. Do you remember how he said that? It's like, it's like gold in the bank. And the gold is so much more valuable than the figures in the bank book. It's what's behind it. Pursuing the things of God, you know, are, are like, you know, the figures in, 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 the, in the checkbook. But the things that you're depositing in your life when you pursue him. That's where the real gold in life is. That makes sense? I tell you, it's, uh, I intended to go a lot longer or further than this. Obviously, I always do. Uh, I'm going to be real quick. The next one is humility. Humility. If you're in revival, God is doing a work of humility in your life. You want God to use whoever he chooses. Even if, if you don't do anything that anybody notices. Even if you're, you're not called upon to, to lead anything or to uh, minister in any certain way. You might like this or you might uh, like this kind of ministry. But you're, a person that's in revival says, God, I don't even care anymore. I don't care if anybody sees me. I don't care if anybody appreciates me. I don't care if I have a, a, an opportunity to do this. I just want you to use whoever you want to use. I make myself available, and God will use you. But you have to have that humility that, God, I don't care who you use. And uh, I'm going to have to go over this real quick. Another thing in humility is freedom from sectarianism. We're the ones. Our church. Look what, look who we are. One of the biggest impediments to revival in churches are churches that believe surely when revival comes, it'll come through our church. Because we're the most scriptural, we're the most spiritual, we, we're the most favored. Surely, if when revival comes, it'll start here. That kind of attitude is almost certain that it won't start there. Because the heart is all wrong. And, and it can't be us against somebody else or us trying to show the way or anything like that. I'm, I'll be frank with you. Well, let me go on. Third thing in this number four is a desire for God to move beyond our walls. I, we want to see God move in other churches. And not just churches in Texas, churches in High Springs that, that could be considered competitors. I want God to move everywhere. And, and you have to check this tendency to think, well, Okay, so something's going on over there. That's fine, but it's better here. No, I, I, we need to be at a place where we rejoice when God's moving, no matter who he's moving through. If somebody else, if God's pouring his spirit out in another place, thank God for it. Amen. A, de a desire for revival to spread to other churches or in groups. That's humility. Uh, I don't know what else I started to say. That I, I, What was I saying when I said I want to go to the third one? It's talking about sectarianism. 
Uh, oh, when, when we received this uh, word of wisdom the Lord gave me back in 2013, was it 2013, about a, about a visitation, remember the visitation word that the Lord gave? I mean, I fully expected our church to be a part of it, but I didn't perceive, I, as even though we've been praying for God to move and praying for our vision and the outpouring of the Spirit, we've been praying all these scriptural things, I didn't actually see what started happening here after the first of the year. It caught me completely by surprise. I mean, I, I, was, I was stunned, really. Oh, wow, God's actually moving. I mean, well, he's always moved, but we're actually experiencing revival. I mean, it caught me by surprise. Did it catch anybody else by surprise? Dan, did it you? I mean, it, it's, it really shocked me in a good way. I mean, it just so blessed me. I thought, glory to God. And so we have to, we have to be, and I think the reason God has seen fit to move like he has is because we weren't just thinking of ourselves. We were seeing a visitation coming. And yet we were praying about our vision because we, we're, that's been given to us and we, we, we have a responsibility to nurture that. But even praying about this church, we still were praying that God's greater will would be done, that we would be able to be a blessing to other churches. And that, that desire, that humility is very important in bringing about revival. Because we have to, be, we have to realize that, that it's not just about us. Like I said, it, it shocked me. I wasn't even thinking about it. Caught me completely by surprise. It really did. I shouldn't con- confess that, but it did. It caught me completely by surprise. But, but uh, it, it really ought to be that way. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's actually moving here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But, but I, want, I want to see this thing spread all over our community. I don't know if it will anytime soon. I believe before Jesus comes back, uh, because like I said, this is a revival. I don't think it's the revival. It's a revival, but it's, it's part of the buildup for that. And, and, and we can nurture it in, until it just flows right into it. And I don't know how many groups will be involved in this, but I tell you what, whoever they are, I'm all for it. I'm all for it 100%. Godspeed. Blessings upon them. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.